going on? Just to go to show listeners, this is your host, Ridge, back on the mic. Premier League season is underway. Yeah, Chris over here as well, coming from the Detroit area. Really excited to be back in the prem. Had a great weekend watching a lot of it, and uh, excited to discuss here, Jack. You ready to go? Yeah, what are we covering today, Jess? All right, we're going to mix it up, and I'm actually going to do this uh, really unnecessary outline of the pod this week. But uh, we're going to start off by kind of dipping into the recap of week one with some overreactions, basically um, deciding, you know, a couple of takeaways that we saw from the weekend and extrapolating that to the course of the season. Uh, After that, we're going to have a really brief interview with a special guest. Then I will be quizzing Jack on some trivia, and we will be getting into our predictor picks for match week two. So it really shouldn't be too, too long here, but I'm excited to get into it. You ready to go with some reactions, Jack? Yeah, what, uh, I mean, I, I woke up early, got to the pub Saturday or Saturday morning, um, conveniently had a uh, an important meeting around 2 o'clock Central on Friday um, that uh, kind of took me into a closed conference room. Uh, in, in reality, I was watching Liverpool Norwich. So a lot of Prem, watched a lot of it. Um, I have some takes, but um, you can kick it off with your first one. Yeah, I was going to say it's a good idea. Actually, I think I saw six games live, basically, from start to finish, and then like extended highlights of the others. So we really just injected Premier League into our veins this weekend. Um, actually going to start off with my first overreaction from the most recent fixture of the weekend, though, and that was the United-Chelsea game. United won 4-0 at Old Trafford. So first overreaction, Manchester United are title contenders. What are your thoughts? Um, honestly, don't think it's that much of an overreaction. I don't. Um, for a few reasons. Uh, I, I really like the Lukaku sale with Manchester United. I really, I like, you can tell they have one clear cohesive message from the business that they've done this summer. They signed a lot of English players, uh, or players from the United Kingdom. So they picked up Harry Maguire, English center back, Aaron wan English right back for record signings. Um, Daniel James, uh, outside winger from Swansea, um, who's Welsh. Um, and there's definitely a clear, and then you look at their team that they started in that first week against uh, Chelsea. Um, Chelsea's one with the transfer ban, but in reality, Manchester United started six English players. So you have those, um, you have Harry Maguire and uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka at the back. And you've got left back Luke Shaw, English. You've got Jesse Lingard in, in midfield, English. You've got Marcus Rashford um, up top, who's English. And I'm missing Scott McTominay, who's uh, Scottish, I believe. I think we talked about that. Scottish. I don't, don't think he's English, but he's he, nonetheless he's you know he's from the UK. So a clear cohesive identity for Manchester United, and they looked really good in their first week. They looked clinical, uh, they looked dangerous, and they have a, kind of a renowned, uh, a renewed youthful English, you know, British spirit. Um, and it makes me think of they're clearly trying to create the team of '92. And I don't know, I, I kind of, I'm kind of buying it a little bit. So I was the one that actually posed this overreaction. I think it is an overreaction. Um, I was extremely impressed. I expected them to beat Chelsea, though. I didn't expect them to put up four goals. But if you really watch the game, the second half just kind of got away from Chelsea at the end of it. Uh, once that second goal got scored, it was really when Christian Pulisic got subbed on. But once they scored that second goal, the floodgates were just kind of open. The reason why I do think it's not too crazy is because uh, they really shored up their biggest weakness from last season, which was defensively bringing on Maguire and Wapasaka. I really rate both of them, even though I think they might have overpaid a little bit for Maguire. They got what they needed there. Both those players had a really impressive performance. The thing that I think is going to be the key to their season when it comes to whether or not they are actually 
actually going to be, you know, flirting with the top two or three there is going to be number one, you know, with Marcus Rashford or Anthony Martial really going to be that big-time goal scorer that they need. There's one of those guys who scored 20-plus goals they this both, year. They both scored, Rashford and two, Martial one. Yeah, I, I really like Marcus Rashford. I think he could. And then the other thing is just going to be what type of Paul Pogba are we going to see? Uh, you know, he has the potential to be the best midfielder in the world or best central midfielder in the world, I think. But he just goes through spurts where he's, um, you know, selfish, careless with the ball, and not working as hard. And sometimes he looks like he's, you know, like world class. So depending on what type of Pogba they get, I don't think it's too crazy, but they obviously made a big statement. Um, and the other thing to keep in mind, too, is with uh, Ole Gunnar, Gunnar Solskjaer last season, when he became the interim manager, they were they looked like this, you know what I mean? They went through a period for probably two months where they looked great. And so I wonder if this is something that's sustainable for them or if they're going to kind of revert to how they were over the last month or two of the season. Yeah, the, but, the, the Achilles heel, I think, of United's season is going to be the not... I think they'll actually show up for the big games um, is going to be the professional levels tested of the Mark Strashfords, Anthony Martial's, the... Know, the the relative you know the Wambasakas, the relatively young core that they have when they have to play you know Burnley away Wolves away um, you know we- like West Ham away Palace away some of these like mid table games where they they lost a lot of points last season it feels like because they are a distinct class above the bottom part of the table right the Norwiches Sheffield Uniteds Newcastle they should they'll beat most of those teams but then they dropped a lot of points both at home and away against kind of that mid 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 table and then they played the top teams pretty well. So I, I'm, well, all, I'm eager to see how they do in those kind of those middle fodder games. And on that note, that's really what separated Man City and Liverpool last season. Right. They were 10-plus points ahead of everybody else because they didn't drop any points in those games. Right. So those are going to be important. Um, but obviously an incredibly impressive performance for them on Sunday. So they're, they're on a hot streak right here. They're riding high. Uh, on the flip side, my second overreaction is coming from the same fixture, and that is Chelsea will finish outside the top six this season. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, agreed, actually. Agreed. Um, I don't... Uh, it's, it's a significant step backwards with the transfer ban that Chelsea have, take, uh, Chelsea have taken. Um, I think Frank Lampard is a... Is, is a good coach. I think he's well-spoken. I think he's intelligent, a good motivator. I think he will get Chelsea to where they need to be. Um, but they, you know, you look at their squad top to bottom and they're, they are levels away from Manchester United, let alone Manchester City, Liverpool, and Tottenham, like levels away. Um, and then I, you know, I look, I look at the rest of the top six and I, I look at their roster and their squad. And I, I think the Chelsea squad is relatively similar in talent level to an Everton, a West Ham. I think that's kind of where the realm that they're currently playing in, um, more so, uh, you know, let's not forget like Ross Barkley used to start for Everton and is now, you know, starting in central midfield for Chelsea. Um, and I, I don't think they're a class above. So I don't, I don't think this is a hot take. I thought that they were going to be dicey with making the top six before the season started. I think the overreaction here is that they're going to finish at the top outside the top six because of what we saw on Sunday, uh, against United. I think it's too early to judge off one performance there on the road. I will say a couple of things, though, and, and the reasons why I think that there's a good chance they could uh, potentially slip outside the top six. They are playing a lot of young players that don't have a lot of Premier League experience. Uh, Tammy Abraham, we saw him at Villa last year. I like him, but you know, it's, it's a huge step up from the championship to playing at Chelsea. Um, when it comes to the transfer ban, obviously they weren't able to uh, really bring a lot of new players into the squad outside of Christian Pulisic. And bringing uh, Kovacic back. 
What? And then they brought Kovacic back and Zuma back from right, uh, right. So I think that they have some good talent. I actually like that they have Pulisic, and I think Hudson Odoi will be good for them. When Ruben Loftus Cheek comes back, I think he'll be important to them as well. Um, the one thing that I, I really was just shocked by that we didn't have a chance to talk about was uh, David Luiz actually leaving there and going to Arsenal last yeah. minute. They're shaky defensively, um, and I don't know if they're going to be able to put together a back four before January that they're going to feel really, really good about. And even by then, they still have another window where they can't reinforce when it comes to that. So if they're not looking good in the first half, they're not going to have the ability to spend money and kind of and boost that second, uh, second half squad. So I'd be nervous. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what Chelsea do in January or like how hard they're hitting the panic button to try and like whether it be recall players who are on loan for some, mm-hmm. for some, for some help. Because um, obviously they loan out a bunch of players to the test every every year, um, and it's going to be interesting to see like what what kind of they try to pull out of the hat um, if it does start to go south. And I, you know, I don't know. I I just think if if you're a Chelsea fan, you've got to be patient. You're not going to win the title this year. You may not even qualify for Europe, but like you've got to go into the season with tapered expectations. If you are a Chelsea fan, and what you're banking on is the next five years, right? You're if you're a Chelsea fan, you're a five year plan guy right now. Where um, you know, you're hoping that the Premier League players and experience that, that these new players get factors into some success. They do okay. They finish you know in the top eight or so, and then you know next year they're able to turn it on. Or when they come out of the transfer ban, they saved a bunch of money, got a bunch of Premier League experience, and it's kind of a blessing in disguise. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think both of those are probably a little early to overreact on, but I mean, we we can see why those conversations are happening. Right. Uh, next one going to another team towards the top of the table, Raheem Sterling will win the Premier League Player of the Year this season. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, we're, with, all, with all these takes, we're calling them overreactions. or uh, We haven't called the first two overreactions. I think this is an overreaction. I'm not going to say he's going to win Player of the Year this year. I do think he's going to score over 20 goals for the first time in his career. Um, but the season's long. There are a lot of players who are going to come in and out of that Player of the Year discussion, right? Like um, Van Dijk, you know, Van Dyke winning player of the year last season was because of how steady his performances were throughout the year, not because he had one game where he headed in a goal. So I, I want to see how form fluctuates, and I want to—I think he's a contender for sure, but I, I absolutely not think, I think it's an overreaction to say because he gets a hat-trick in the first game that he's going to win player of the year. It's definitely an overreaction based off of just the hat-trick from this weekend. I will say I think he's probably the best player in the Premier League right now. Uh, and the other thing I will say is out of the Man City attacking players – He's the one that's most likely to start every week. Yes. They have so much, so much uh, flexibility when it comes to Mares, uh, Bernardo Silva, David Silva, Aguero, Jesus. Think about all these guys, but I feel like with one healthy, Sterling and De Bruyne are probably the only two that'll start pretty much every game. So I don't think it's crazy. I think that just probably one of the two or three most likely players to win it, but it's obviously a little early to say uh, just because of the hat trick, but he looked really, really good in the second half against West Ham this week. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I, I, he, died, he did look really good. I do think he's one of the best players. I think that's fair to say. I just have, uh, I don't know, saying he's the best player in the league, I've said that a few times on the pod that I think he is. I also I want to like put an asterisk next next to that though because he's such a different player than the most like the the so much of his uh, so much of his skill comes from off the ball movement and and getting into you know getting in behind the defense timing runs really well creating space for other players whereas opposed to he is probably not the best finisher or out for out dribbler um, 
or I mean, he's pretty fast, but like he's not probably the best with the ball at his feet. So much of his good play comes from off the ball, which suits Manchester City really well. So do I think he's the best player maybe in his system? Yeah. Um, if you put him in another team, like if you put him in Arsenal or something, I don't think he would be nearly as effective. Um, like Aubameyang's much, a much better goal scorer. Lacazette's a better dribbler. Um, so those are things you got to factor in when you're thinking about the best player. Yeah, I mean, he's a product of his environment, but obviously he works really well in that system. And maybe um, something like just what you said, uh, an example of that is he kind of flopped at the World Cup for England, so right. it's kind of getting out of his comfort zone with uh, the talent he had us around him. So anyway, um, the last overreaction that I have here, and it's something that I've talked about uh, probably a million times in the pod, but I'm glad I talked about it because it was the huge talking point of the weekend, finally. And that is VAR is going to ruin football as we know it. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. I'm such a downer, but I mean, come on. You watched the games. You saw what happened. That's yeah, so for some for some context, Chris absolutely – like we have a we have a, like a, a Twitter message group and like a group meet. And Chris is just this weekend going off about, <laughs> about uh, VAR, about how it's slowing the game down. And granted, yeah, I think – you know, I think there's a lot to talk about. Chris, your initial reaction is that of anger, frustration, disappointment, or is it just like, hey, you know, you kind of just like, whatever, the game's different now, we got to adjust? Well, I mean, I don't know if I've mentioned this in the pod before, but as a former Little League baseball umpire, I don't You like have like six let... times. <laughs> I, I don't like when we let robots take over the game. Humans are capable. No, I, I think actually um, seeing it in action, my biggest frustration is just, I feel like it just breaks up the pace of the game so much. And um, one thing that I think it was Sterling had mentioned it, or um, there's a couple different people that have said this, but I think that I thought it was kind of silly until I saw it a couple of times. You almost can't celebrate when your team scores right away because there's like a one in three chance that the goal just won't count. Um, watching the, the Manchester City game, particularly the Sterling offsides, uh, on his assist to, I believe it was Gabriel Jesus, they called it off, and it was probably millimeters uh, away. Sterling was pretty upset about it. And then probably 10, 15 minutes later, they scored a goal that I was like, oh, no, it's going to happen again. And uh, the other example, too, was in the Wolves-Lester game. Then Donker scored on a corner. They called back off of an accidental handball from Willie Bully. And it's just like, oh, this it's frustrating because you think the game's changed and Pep said it actually, um, they were up the, the goal that got disallowed originally for them would have taken them to three, nothing. And then it, it brings them back to two nil after a couple of minutes of review. And all of a sudden he's like, well, at one point we thought where this game's over and now it's two nil. And if they score a quick one, they're right back in. And it's just, I don't know. As a fan, it, it, you don't, you don't really get to celebrate when your team scores right away. Cause you're just like, Oh, I hope they don't call it off. Yeah. So here's the deal. Um, I have some bigger picture takes. One, like, the, like with the Sterling goal that was disallowed, people were like, "Oh, it was so close!" Like, I can't believe VAR called that. Like, you know, that's a call. That's a goal that would have stood if they didn't have VAR. Yeah, that's true. But it was offsides, uh, and it was offside, and it was very, very close. Sure, millimeters, but like, you can't like have VAR and be like, "Oh, it was really close, so we'll let it go." No, VAR is there to ha- it's to draw that firm line in the sand, black and white for an offsides is on this side or this side, right? So. Um, I think, you know, I think with that goal, like, it was the right call. VAR, I'm happy that they got it right because it was offside. And, like, they got the call right, and that's why it's there. I, I was pleased that in, in terms of the – I feel like everything that was reviewed, they got right. Um, Man, the Man City game was a, was a hyper example of this. The Man City game had, like, 
five or six inches. Three, three that I can remember off the top. More than that. More than that. If you go on, if you go on to, because the penalty decision was reviewed as well, um, and then, yeah. then they took the penalty and Declan Rice entered the area, which is a whole other element of VAR that they they had Aguero retake the penalty and he missed it on his first take, and then they had him retake, and then he scored the second one. Um, and so that, if you're a West Ham fan, you think you've saved a penalty, and then they call back, make him retake it, and you saw that in the Women's World Cup this summer. Um, five times. Yeah. yeah I, I so. Overall, I, I'm happy with everything they reviewed because everything they reviewed, they got right, right? There wasn't a situation where they reviewed a call and I thought, ooh, VAR, they've gotten that wrong. VAR did what it was exp- it's supposed to do and it got all the calls right. I think the frustration um, from fans, uh, it's new, so there's naturally going to be a, a point of contention um, where it slows the game down. I think that's where the room for improvement is. I think the room for improvement is along the lines of A, communication, and B, speed. Um, when I think about offside, it's kind of like in tennis when they do the review system, when the ball comes on the line or outside of the line in tennis, that takes like less than five seconds so that it get up on yeah. the TV and everyone sees whether it's onside or not, right? And with offside, it's the same. it should be the same thing. It's a clear line of where the defender is. They draw the line. Is it on the right side or not, right? And it's like you should be able to get that review done in less than 10 seconds, uh, which, is, which is my first thing uh, on speed. And then the second thing is the knowledge of the fans inside the ground. So if you were watching the Man City Liverpool or Man City um, West Ham West Ham game, um, they kept putting like on the TV. They would uh, like on the in, in stadium TV. Um, they would put VAR reviewing penalty or VAR reviewing goal, and then all the fans would go, oh, and then it would be like VAR goal stands or VAR penalty stands, and then all the fans would cheer. There's no reasoning why. Right, and like the NFL does a decent job of doing that when they have the the official get on the mic and say, uh, upon further review, the ruling on the field uh, is overturned. The runner did get both feet both feet in bounds. First down, Miami, or whatever. Um, and so the fans at least get some clarity of like what was being reviewed and why it was turned the way it was. And I think that you know the referee could either. Maybe it's through a headset. Maybe he te- speaks to the announcers, or maybe like he quickly ha- says something to the team upstairs, and they type it out that goes on the TV, like something like just. It, that, I mean, there's forty thousand people inside the ground that have no idea what's happening, and they're just kind of like sitting around, waiting, you know, going oh for like a minute or two sometimes, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of room for improvement. It's obviously here to stay, so hopefully they'll make some tweaks to it. But it was a very different viewing experience for me this weekend with it, and I don't think it in. I don't think it made it better to watch. I understand what you're saying with getting the calls right, but I almost just prefer to like have a little bit of air in there. You know, I don't think anyone would have watched that Sterling replay and been like, "Oh, he's offside, he's offside." It's like when you slow it down and take these screenshots and change the angle. Yeah, maybe his armpit was a couple millimeters offside, but I don't think that takes away from the game. Anyway, I think, but I think, um, I think, just on that note, I think what does take away from the game is like over the past few years, managers and press conferences have been like, they got this call wrong. They're complaining about calls. They're complaining about this being missed. Complaining about this goal being gone in, or like, you know, we're kicked but, out. We're kicked out of the. We're kicked out of the Champions League because this goal went in. And it shouldn't have. And hopefully, because of VAR, we get less of that. Because I, quite frankly, I'm sick of that being a scapegoat for managers to say in press conferences when they lose a game, like, oh, this call was wrong. or This call was wrong. Right. I mean, you still, yeah, you still have Nuno Esposito Santo from Wolves complaining after the game about it, but I know what you mean. I, I think that's fair. So right. let's move on. We'll talk about it probably a million more times this year anyway. Yeah, so. overall, I guess overall, if I had to condense my thoughts, not to keep harping on, I, I actually did like the usage of it, or I did, I did like it in principle. It got the calls right. I just think they can improve on how they're using it um, through the rest of the season. But you were a little bit more, I think, frustrated as a viewer, but. There you go. Yeah, yeah, I was. All right, what are your, you have a couple of reactions. Let's go. Yeah, so overreaction, Brighton or Burnley will make Europe. 
They both no. <laughs> they both won they both won in uh, their first games three 0 Burnley won three 0 Brighton won three 0 Brighton beat Watford um, away uh, away and Burnley beat Southampton at home at Turf Moor. Um, now the reason I'm bringing this up. Uh, Fun fact, Chris knows Chris knows him too. My uh, direct boss, head of my office, is a guy from Burnley. He's a big Burnley fan, and he came by my desk earlier this week and, and, and said, um, oh, yeah, Burnley, like, we're, we're going to make Europe this season. Like, watch out. And I was like, well, I didn't hear from you at all before Christmas last year, mate. Um, and so he's an English guy, and he was talking like, oh, yeah, Burnley are going to make Europe because they won 3-0, and Ashley Barnes scored two goals. Um, I think it's a dramatic overreaction. Like, uh, yeah. Because if you watch that game, two, I mean, Eric Peters, their left back, former left back for Stoke, had two assists to Ashley Barnes. Can I think of like an uglier, muckier combination of, of assisting uh, goal scorers? No. That's Burnley, though. That's Burnley for you. I mean, the thing with Burnley is uh, more interesting than I think what they did is um, Southampton. I thought of them just in terms of their squad as maybe a relegation candidate, but they were so good under house model last year that – I think everyone's just kind of like, you know what, they're going to just ride that wave and keep going forward, and yeah. they, they really flopped uh, coming out the gates. But no, Burnley's not going to make Europe. Uh, no chance. No way. And then Brighton... They won't, they won't be top half. And then uh, Brighton won 3-0 as well. Neil Malpay, 20 million pound signing, scored. Um, and then uh, I think it's Off Chris... the bench. Yeah, I, I, think Chris, I think Chris Potter is his name, the head coach, former Swansea head coach. Um, I know his last name's Potter. He... Uh, Grand Potter. Great Grand Potter, yeah, sorry. I'm looking at you. Um, but Grand Potter uh, is supposed to be introducing a new brand of football. And I was really – I was expecting Brighton to really struggle under him because I watched Swansea a few times. I didn't think they were talented enough to play. Uh, a lot of balls on the deck, um, quick quick passing, passing out the back. Uh, they played kind of three central defenders and then wing backs. Um, and I didn't think, like, the likes of Lewis Dunk and Shane Duffy could play that way. And then they won 3-0 against a Watford team that's very good on paper um, and had a decent season last year. So, you know, uh, and, and they went away. So, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think I, there's, there's cause to be excited, but... Yeah, no, if you're a Brighton fan, also, if you're a Brighton yeah. fan, you've got to be excited. Uh, I don't think they'll make Europe, but, you know. No. I mean, it, look, those are probably two of the more impressive performances from the weekend, so I think it was good that we hit on them. But you got to manage expectations. These teams, I, the best-case scenario, they're probably finishing somewhere between, like, 10th and 12th this year. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Brighton, a lot of people have picked them for relegation, so to come out the gates and win 3-0 away is pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I was I was thinking they might be one of the teams that go down, but instead I'm going to stick with Norwich, Sheffield United, and, and Newcastle, I reckon. Um, but then... Um, my last, On the Brighton match, here you go, your last one, right? Yeah, my last thought kind of segues from the Brighton-Watford one is that Javi Gracia is the first manager to get sacked this season. Um, I don't, I, I don't I think that's ahead. an overreaction. I think that's actually quite accurate. I think he'll be, you know, when I think about those teams going down, I think if the teams look at full, like I, like I said, I expect Sheffield United, Norwich to go down and Newcastle. Newcastle just appointed Steve Bruce and, he, and he's buddy-buddy with Mike Ashley, so I don't think Bruce will get sacked. I think Norwich and Sheffield United will have some pressure put on their manager, but I think Sheffield United trust Chris Wilder, and even if they go down, they'll keep him. And I think if they look at, you know, if those two teams look at what happened last season with Huddersfield and Fulham, who were really, really struggling and sacked their managers, and then it just got worse or it didn't get any better when they took in a new manager, I don't think they'll make that same mistake when things start to go south. Um, so then I'm looking at the, you know, the teams where a manager is going to get going to get sacked are kind of the mid-table teams who have aspirations to be better than where they actually are, right? Um, and so, like, maybe, like, a Marco Silva at Everton, a uh, Javi Gracia at Watford, um, like, those are kind of the players that, uh, you know, uh, or a Pellegrini at, at West Ham. 
those are, the, I think, the people who are going to struggle. Um, and so with – or could, could, could come under pressure. So with, uh, with Javi Gracia and losing 3-0 on the weekend, I watched, I watched Watford in person last season. I actually think he will be the first manager to get sacked. Um, I think last season he, he wasn't an excellent manager and um, he had some really fortunate performances and some really strong individuals that masked some of their tactical errors. Um, so I think he's gone. Sorry, I, I zoned out there for a second. My sister who lives with me, I was watching some of the games with her this weekend and she just held up a sign in my office that said hair gel on it. And I couldn't, know what, I couldn't remember what she was talking about. And she told me that it would be a good idea to have a segment about talking about their, their hair and why it doesn't move. Soccer and, players? Yeah, because we were watching a game together the other day. Um, so, <laughs> who, was she ta- who was she talking about? Divock Harigi's hair definitely moves. Same with Will. No, we were watching Liverpool. It was on Sunday, so we were watching like, the Arsenal game. And Salah's the, hair uh, moves. Leicester Wolves game. And so there were like, um, the Calgary's hair from uh, Leicester and there were oh. a couple of players that we were looking at. But she just like made this big sign and put it up on the window and just pointing at us like, what is she talking about? Appreciate that, um, Abby. Shout out, shout, shout, out to Abby. shout out, Abby. Yeah, um, we, we mentioned hair gel. There you go. Um, I had a couple thoughts in the uh, grassy situation really quick. Kind of similar to what you thought, except I do think it's an overreaction. The one thing that I will say about his, his hot seat right now, if there is one, is they struggled down the stretch last year. I think they lost seven of their last 11 fixtures. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of uh, put some of that on them being in the FA Cup final, but ultimately they, they stumbled to the finish. This is not a positive start for them. But they were really good last year. I think they're going to turn it around. I don't think they're going to be near the relegation zone. And the one thing I agree with you with is I think that the coaches that might be more likely to get sacked are the ones that are uh, a little bit higher expectations. So I, I was thinking Marco Silva at Everton if they struggle at the gates, Pellegrini at West Ham, some clubs that have spent some more money, and if they they really stumble at the gates, they could be in the hot seat. Um, but I think it's an overreaction. I don't think that uh, he's going to be, you know, I think he'll finish the season with them, so Ooh, I disagree. I, I don't, but we'll find out. Um, all right, so then we're bringing our, our special guests on the on Yeah, the so I had an opportunity here to bring on a guest, and um, we're going to cut to that in just a second here. Um, so now I'd like to welcome on our, our first guest, I think, an interview here, a really special interview, uh, Mr. Jose Mourinho. How you doing, Jose? Hello, Chris. Happy to be here. Good, good. So first question I actually wanted to ask here is, I think everyone's been wondering this, what is the preferred pronunciation of your name? You prefer Jose or Jose, as the English pundits call you? Um, you know, when I think about my name, uh, I prefer the special one uh, because it can be Jose, Jose. You know, it's a football manager. Uh, you know, and, and truly the special one. So the special one. Okay. Well, um, special one. I did want to talk to you about your comments from the weekend. You were uh, talking with Sky Sports. Uh, and mentioned the teams that you thought had a chance at contending for the title this year. Could you uh, name those off for me one more time? Yeah, of course. Uh, so uh, it's fantastic football from some of the top teams in the, in the league. Um, and when I think about the title contenders, uh, I think about you have Manchester City, um, Tottenham, uh, Liverpool, um, and uh, the Manchester City B team. Um, and I think those are those are the four teams uh, who you know. They play fantastic players, uh, terrific football, um, and, and you know they can hit crossbar. Wow, so, I mean, mentioning the Man City B team there, Mr. Mourinho, 
is that a little bit of an insult to some of these other teams that you know actually have um, no. a pretty good first season? No, it's, it's not not an insult. It's uh, you know the fantastic players. Uh, you know uh, I'm the special one. I've I've managed Chelsea. I've managed Manchester United. Uh, you know I look down the bench and I see. You know that Manchester City. If you know, you look at the the players who are not even starting for them. Uh, you're looking at uh, you know Aguero. You're looking at uh, you know, Sane, uh, Otamendi. Uh, you're looking at fantastic players with fa- you know fantastic talent. And uh, you know I, I think that their B team could could win the title if they if they if they did. Okay, hot take. Uh, I know you're running short on time here, so last question I had for you. As a former manager of both Manchester United and Chelsea, any thoughts on the performance from the weekend on Sunday here? Uh, you know, both, both clubs, I, I've managed both clubs, uh, you know, I've won titles uh, with Chelsea, uh, not not with Manchester United, and, and you know, with Manchester United, uh, I, I think there are great players there, uh, I think as manager, whoever was manager there signed some great players, uh, Victor Lindelof, uh, Luke Shaw, uh, these are players who, you know, I, I, I told everybody had the potential to be great, um, and then, you know, when I think about Chelsea, you know, terrific football club, fantastic players, fantastic players, fantastic management. Frank Lampard is fantastic. I, I manage Frank Lampard. He's fantastic. Um, and, you know, with the result this weekend, uh, you know, Chelsea, you know, it's unfortunate because, you know, I have won titles with Chelsea, uh, but I don't know. They, they really need a special one uh, with the transfer ban. So, um, you know, uh, fantastic game, fantastic to watch. Um, and, you know, hopefully I have a job soon myself, so. Okay, well, hey, uh, the special one, a huge thanks to you for the quick interview. Uh, Hopefully we can have you back on the podcast soon, but uh, thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank you, Chris. All right, thanks. Uh, So that was our interview with Jose Mourinho, the special one. Uh, Thanks for having him on. It kind of shows how far we've come as a podcast, be able to get a guest like that. Hopefully we'll have some more big names in the future. Yeah, special thanks to Jose's agent. Uh, Jose, thanks for, uh, you know, hooking that up. Um, You know, we kind of shot that email off. Um, you know, about six hours ago, expecting that it would be kind of a quick turnaround for you to get on the pod, but you know, it just shows you what a people person you are getting on there. So appreciate that. Absolutely, it's a class act. All right, I'm going to get into the trivia here now, and I'm going to be quizzing Jack this week. Uh, first trivia of the season. I'll be honest, last year it didn't go great for me. At times, I struggled. I'm looking to redeem myself this year. I'm definitely going to be the the top dog here coming forward. Now, what? Are you kidding me? You were so bad at trivia last year. Yeah, right. yeah, no. Wait, 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 it's a long season, and I get to quiz you first. Now, there weren't a lot of options, as we only had one match week here when I was thinking about what types of things to do. So I kind of went with something along the lines of what you did a little bit more last year, where I'm going to just give you uh, a certain amount of guesses here. There's six spots uh, that you could be picking, and I'm thinking that I'm going to give you like a minute to guess, but I want you to try to get it as few guesses as possible as a goal. Um, so... I'm going to start the timer. I'm actually going to give you a minute and 15 here because there's going to be six spots, and they're in two different sections. So I'm going to go in two groups, okay? Jesus Christopher. Now, it's based off of the first matches of the season here for all the Premier League teams, and this is a team statistic. So what I want you to do is I want you to name the top three teams in terms of shots attempted this week. And also the bottom three teams in terms of shots attempted this week. So really test your knowledge and how much you've watched this week. Okay. Uh, we'll start with the top three. Three, two, one. Timer's going. Uh, Manchester City, Liverpool, and Tottenham. Uh, you got one of three. Really? Yeah, Tottenham's correct. Do you want to take a stab at the other two or do you want to go for the bottom three first? Uh, I'll take a stab at the other two. Um... Chelsea 
Incorrect. Um, in Manchester United? Incorrect. Um, Arsenal? No. Shots on target. Um, I'm going I'm to cut you off there. That's a lot of guesses. You're cutting me off? I Okay, okay. Um, you're gonna, you're gonna name all 20 teams. Okay, 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 gotta, gotta, gotta. So now I gotta get right. the. But you got like 30 seconds here. Go for the bottom ones. This bottom the three. The, the fewest fewest shots attempted. Correct. Um. So I gotta be clever here. Um. Watford. No. God damn it. Uh. Newcastle. No. Uh, West Ham. That was one of them. Timer's up, but um, if you want to give like, a couple of their guesses here. Yeah, I'll go for lowest shots. I'll go Norwich. No. Jesus. Southampton? Brutal. No. <laughs> All right, you want me to just read to you? This is pretty bad. Yeah, go, go, go. Okay, obviously it's tough. It's a one-game sample size here, but I thought you would have known a little bit better. I understand where your head was at Liverpool and City. Uh, they were actually four and five. And they scored a lot of goals this week, but the number one team in shots attempted was Spurs. They had thirty-one. So I got them. You got them. Second was Chelsea, despite not scoring. They had eighteen. Third, the one you didn't end up getting was Leicester. They had sixteen and no goals. Okay. Bottom three, you did get West Ham. They were tied for last with five. The other team that had five was Zilla? a bit of a shocker. Villa. No. Brighton. Said so three goals and five shot attempts. What? That was a tough one. Yeah, that was a tough one. And then the third team I would have thought you might have gotten was Palace. Yeah, I was gonna Six. guess. I was gonna guess Palace, but I, I went out of that game. I was thinking back to the Palace Everton game, and I was replaying it in my head, and I was like, I'm pretty sure Jordan Pickford made more saves than Gaeta, but I guess he didn't. Yeah. So I, I, I think I, I think I was thinking shots on goal as well. Um, I said shot attempts. I, I know, I know. I'm trying to justify, but I'm gonna put I mean, I'm gonna push back on the general topic here. I think that's kind of a you know I would have preferred player knowledge or something, you know. But whatever. yeah, that's what I normally do. That's tough. I mean, hey, you've given me some tough ones over the years too. And it was like it was the first week. There wasn't a whole lot of stats to throw out there. All right, whatever, whatever. You know what? We got next week. You're gonna quiz me. Go extra hard on me if you want. I'm not worried this season. I, I got it locked down. Yeah. So. Okay. You're a glass house. You guys should see him like twitch when he's like doing. You know, his feet are no, up and no, stuff. No. I've had enough time to just like let that all out, and the confidence has come back. Last season, at the end of the year, I'll admit I crumbled a little bit. But we're <laughs> all right. So. Let's, uh, let's transition to the last segment here. We're going to be talking about the NBC Predictor app scores. Um, yeah, so the NBC Predictor app, we've talk, we kind of we touch on it with most pods, and we tweet out our picks every week in terms of what teams we've picked against each other. Um, and we've talked a few times on the podcast about how we play fantasy sports. Like, we'll do the Fantasy Premier League app. Occasionally, Chris and I will do, like, DraftKings with a couple other buddies. Shout out Nick Harmon, Andrew Lockman, Scar, you suck. Um, with the NBC Predictor app, it's pretty cool because it's free to play and you don't have to pick a full team with players and like have a ton of knowledge. It's like it takes 10 seconds to download the app and five seconds to you pick five games and you pick the scores on those five games. If you get them all right, you have a chance to win 50K in prizes. So it's like very, very minimal barrier to entry, something you can start doing to engage with the pod. And we've actually created a league. I'll give you the code with in a second. Um, we'll actually give it to you right now. It's MDE 
MDEQL8. So I'll say that afterwards as well, MDEQL8. If you go to the Predictor app and join our league, it just goes to show. You can follow along, and we'll actually track people's uh, point totals throughout the season. Okay. Yeah, hopefully some people can win some money. If you get all five scores right, you get a $50,000 prize. We had right. a few people last year win some money. Me, uh, Scar, Martha, uh, we all ended up winning money at different times, albeit it was like a dollar or two, but still pretty cool. Right. Um, so we'll be doing this at the end of the pod every week. Follow along. Tweet at us, but definitely join the league as well. Yeah, and then special shout-out to uh, Steve Murphy, who's actually the head of uh, Boom Sports, who, do- who creates and hosts the NBC app. Um, actually ta- had a phone call with him earlier today, so part of the idea with this league is we can actually get some feedback on how people are interacting with the app. Um, and the, the league and be able to bubble that straight up to the CEO of people who conduct the app. So it just goes to show, um, you know, listeners, we, we appreciate your feedback and that also will affect the MC, uh, Predictor app for a lot of people. So appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, so we'll be able to make it better if people give us some feedback. And right, use it. right. So. Cool. All right, so this week we got five games, obviously. Uh, two of them are Saturday games, so let's start there. First one is going to be Southampton at home against Liverpool. Um, I have... Liverpool winning that 3-1. I liked what I saw from Liverpool in the attack last week. Um, I thought they were actually a little bit shaky defensively at times against Norwich. And I think that uh, Southampton, after getting shut out 3-0 last week, I think they'll be able to get one goal on the board. Um, but I expect Liverpool to win this one pretty handily. What are your thoughts, Jack? Um, I'm going to go 4-0 Liverpool. Having watched them last week, uh, they really poured it on. Uh, I think away from home, they're going to be eager to test themselves. I think Sadio Mane is going to come to the side and score as well. He will, I think, too. Um, yeah. So I expect them to go 4-0 and be one of those be one of those games where they get ahead early and uh, and Southampton after last week. I mean, if they can't, they let three goals into Burnley. It's it's going to get ugly. But I expect Liverpool to do that early, and then similar to last week, just kind of pass it around in the second half and already be up. No, Allison. Keep in mind too. Yep. Uh, next match is probably the marquee match of the weekend. This is a Saturday afternoon. I think it's twelve thirty Eastern. Man City at home against Spurs. So you like? Yeah, I like this game to not have a lot of goals, actually. Um, Mainly because this has happened a few times with City when they come up in these key matchups. They actually defend really, really well um, and then, uh, you know, swarm the ball in in their own half, win possession, and then, you know, when they go up against a good defensive team, they're not able to carve out four or five goals. So I don't think they're going to score as many as they did against West Ham. Um, And Spurs, uh, you know, have a good defensive line, right? Alderweireld, Davidson Sanchez, I rate Spurs defenders. Um, so I think City win this game one nil, uh, maybe a VAR penalty or something like that. Uh, but it's gonna be a it's gonna be a close one. I don't think City will look like losing, but it won't be a big squad. Yeah, I have a little bit of a different take here. Um, obviously, Man City and Aston Villa are two pretty different opponents. But like we just saw in the trivia, Spurs put up thirty one shots last week. The other thing I think it's important is Harry Kane scored twice. I know that. He's got a little bit of a reputation for not being able to score in August. Obviously, he's kind of broken that trend. Um, I like both of these teams quite a bit. I'm going 2-2. And I think that'll be a pretty tough result for City to take early in the year, Um, losing a little bit of ground to Liverpool. But I like both these teams to get on the score sheets. I'm going 2-2 in this one. Oh, yeah. See, I think City know how important this is and how Spurs think they're in that top realm. So I don't think think they lose points here. Um, And then Sheffield United against Crystal Palace. This, this is a fixture that just stresses me out um, as, as someone who wants to see Palace win, mainly because Palace, uh, you know, in the first week of the season, drew 0-0 against Everton, of course, looked decent defensively, and yet again, could not score a goal. So um, it's the same old Palace. I do think against Sheffield United, they'll win 1-0 um, and manage to eke out, eke out a victory. 
Um, it might be a you know a headed goal from Christian Menteke or a Wilf drawn penalty, uh, and then Lucas scores would be a fair bet. Um, but and and I think they defend well against Sheffield United, who will try and push up with their with their wing backs and, and outside center backs. Yeah, I actually had the same score one one nil Palace for some solid reasons. I was really really impressed with Palace defensively last week against Everton, and that was with their third and fourth or maybe fourth and fifth choice center backs. Uh, I think what I've realized watching them over the past two seasons is Roy Hodgson just manages his back line really, really well. Uh, I think that they're going to be a tough team to score on all year, and for a newly promoted team like Sheffield United, it'll be tough. Um, Wilf should be back in the starting lineup for Palace, I believe, as well, so I think they managed to get a goal, so I'm going 1-0. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Next match is Chelsea at home to Leicester, two teams that are looking to bounce back a little bit from some lackluster performances. Do you like uh, yeah, I, like I said, I, I consider Chelsea into into that realm of talent with Leicester, West Ham, um, Everton. I don't think that uh, Chelsea squad on paper, you know, with the exception of like N'Golo Kante, um, is really that strong. And N'Golo Kante just picked up an injury in the first week. So when I I actually like, I think Leicester maybe pound for pound may have a better team than Chelsea right now, which is a crazy thing to say. Um, so I'm actually going 2-1 Leicester to win um, uh, against Chelsea, and Chelsea lose their first two. I totally disagree with you there, but I have a different uh, result. I'm going 2-1 Chelsea. I do think that Leicester are pretty comparable when it comes to the teams on paper here. I just expect Chelsea to bounce back at home a bit. Um, they're a little bit more settled in. You know, some of these guys like Tammy, Mason, Mouse, and these younger players really are – they had a lot of pressure in the last week. And I think they'll figure it out. I think the home field advantage gives them the, the edge here. So I'm going 2-1 Chelsea. Do you think Pulisic starts? I do. I do think he'll start this week. Um, and I think that'll be a big factor as well. I think he's a good player. I think he'll do pretty well for them this year. All right. Well, we'll find out. We have opposite contrasting 2-1 results. I got 2-1 Leicester. Chris is 2-1 uh, Chelsea. Um, yeah, the, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and that, that brings us to Wolves against Manchester United um, in the final fixture for the NBC Predictor app. Um, I have Manchester United winning 2-0. I'm expecting Rashford to get on the score sheet again. Um, there may be a goal from midfield with Pogba or Lingard. They, they, they looked good going forward and didn't quite get a goal. Um, so I'm having Manchester United beat Wolves 2-0, even though Manchester United lost twice to Wolves in the back half of last season. Um, so I actually think they come with a bit of vengeance uh, and a chip on their shoulder because they lost twice at the Molyneux um, in cup matches last season. So I think Manchester United, um, riding the momentum of last week, win 2-0. Yeah, Wolves away is a tough fixture. I loved what I saw with United, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's the result, but I went a little bit of a different route here. I'm going 1-1-1. One, one. Um, I think that Wolves are going to be a pretty feisty team again this year. They weren't quite at their best against Leicester, but I expect them to bounce back a little bit here. Uh, so I'm going to go 1-1, one, one and United maybe will cool off on the title talk here. If, I don't even know if there has been any title talk. We kind of made that oh, up. Yeah, we, but, we are the title talk. <laughs> uh, but I'm going 1-1 one, one in that one, in that final one. So, again, um, if you guys didn't get that league code the first time, go ahead and download the NBC Predictor app. It's the Premier League Pick'em, and our league code is M-D-E-Q-L-8. Uh, we'll tweet that out as well. Um, but anything else on that note, Jack? No, I was just going to say, make sure you guys get in the Predictor League. Um, that should be cool and a good way to, again, it's it's super easy to do. Like if you're just like on, you know, uh, in the parking lot, 
you know, waiting for coffee or something or on your commute on the way to work, really easy thing to do and knock out in 10 seconds um, and track your point total over the course of the season. Um, if, and It'll it's be good. fun, yeah. We and, already have a handful of people that have joined. We just made the league an hour ago. Um, right. So it's, it, like, make sure you get in for this week. That way you guys can be competitive throughout the entire season on the leaderboard. Right. Um, the other thing I was going to say, too, is if you don't already follow us on Twitter, the handle is at goes to show pod. Uh, we'll tweet out some screenshots of our picks there and some other things throughout the week, too. But uh, we're trying to get a little bit more engagement with the Twitter this year as well. So that'd be a huge help if you guys could kind of uh, follow us on there and engage us a little bit more, too. For sure. Um, well, that's all we got, guys. Make sure you yeah, make sure you jump in on the Predictor app um, and then... You know, we'll tune back in next week, week one of the Prem down, and I'm I'm buzzing, absolutely buzzing for excitement. I'm pumped. Yeah, we'll have another uh, episode out next week, but definitely um, appreciate everyone listening and excited to carry out with this. All right, just goes to show, guys. Everybody's human. Thanks.